We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's For thank God it's Friday. I'm Richard Glover, and please welcome our panel. It's Wendy Harmer, Rebecca De Unamuno, and Tommy Dean. Yeah. With the music, it's opera superstar Jessapina Gretsch from The Magic Flute. Yeah. Our audience this week from Canberra, Wagga, Terrigal, Springwood, Bathurst, and Bondi. Yeah. But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. Summers were hotter when I was growing up. Now, they weren't actually hotter, you understand, but they felt that way. Maybe that's why some people aren't convinced about global warming. They can't shake off the memories of a hot Australian childhood. It started with a metal slippery slide at the local park. Forget today's plastic device, coloured dull green so it won't heat up and protected by shade cloth. In the 1970s, the slide was a gleaming metal tower burnished by a thousand bottoms, reaching high into the sky, angled close to the vertical. The summer sun throbbed onto its gunmetal grey surface, dazzling the young user. The metal sheets were connected to the frame by two lines of metal bolts that for some reason were even hotter. Shielding your eyes, you'd duck around the back and slowly climb the steep ladder, much like an Aztec sacrificial victim (laughs) trudging up the temple steps towards certain death. Once atop the slide, you'd gingerly swing your legs into a seated position, at which point the burning sensation would be so intense you'd do anything to stop the pain, even launching yourself down the horrifyingly steep slope. Hurtling towards the ground, you'd go, picking up speed, the hot metal searing your buttocks with each metre travelled, arms flailing, the sides too hot to touch, the odd raised bolt doing some extra damage to your ass before being thrown violently and face first into the hard earth of the playground. Ah, bliss. At least, <laughs> at least the terrible burning had stopped. You'd then queue for another go. <laughs> Summers, this is my point, are, scientifically speaking, hotter now. Yesterday, for instance, was awful, wasn't it? Last night was terrible. But due to the equipment and customs of the time, summer past seemed even worse. They were experienced as hotter. A visit to the beach, for example, involved no sunscreen, no hat and no rash vest. It was not so much slip, slop, slap as bake, broil and burn. You'd be pink after an hour, lobster red after two, then shedding skin all the way home. Any skin not left at the beach would end up adhering to the bench seats of the family Kingswood. It was a vehicle whose vinyl interior was ill-suited to a nation with a penchant for peeling. At the end of the trip, children were routinely heaved free from the back seat. Their parents ripping them from the vinyl, as one might rip a strip of Velcro from its backing. Everyone just had to ignore the ten seconds of screaming. 
Air conditioning was a rarity. Anyway, north of the Victorian border, no one slept a wink from about November to March. You'd just lie there in puddles of sweat. The whole of Queensland was a six-month-long wet T-shirt competition. (laughs) School classrooms were an inferno. A defeated teacher slumped up the front while 30 children panted like dogs. Learning was limited to the winter months when everyone had the chance to read without sweat dripping onto their book. The cars were even worse. Left in the sun, they'd turn into mobile saunas, the steering wheel too hot to handle. Sydney in summer was full of people driving while trying not to touch the wheel, their hands darting in to make the occasional adjustment while mostly steering with their knees. A small triangular window, remember those, would direct a steam, a stream of hot air towards the driver, but it was never clear whether this made things better or worse. Some people even installed a fan, a 12-volt device plugged into the cigarette lighter, which was suction-capped to the dashboard. Remember those? The downside was this meant you couldn't light your next cigarette. (laughs) For most drivers in the 1970s, this was an intolerable limit on human liberty, and they'd rather be hot. In many ways, We seem to go out of our way to make the place feel hotter. Men in offices dressed as if for the British winter wearing jackets and ties. Australia may have been one of the world's greatest exporters of natural fibres, but we preferred to dress entirely in nylon or polyester. In winter, this meant the threat of immolation every time you went past a radiator. In summer, it meant the whole nation smelt like a pig wrapped in plastic. If the 1970s had a signature smell, it was this. The smell of antiperspirant, deodorant and a car air freshener in the shape of a miniature pine tree, all of them defeated by the insurmountable stench. Now, half a century on, and the world is much hotter, of course. But sometimes it doesn't feel that way. We sit in our air-conditioned cars. We even slap on sunscreen and a hat. This is all sensible. The only problem, it may help us ignore the way things are still getting hotter and hotter. The Australian summer that ended yesterday, for instance, was the third hottest on record. It's a bit like that old hot playground slide I started with, and we're halfway down the slippery slope, travelling faster with each metre, the hot bolts stinging our asses, the hard landing within sight. I just hope that this time we'll find a way to slow down. And that's the news from nowhere. It was hot. It was hot. Last night was terrible. Ugh, yeah. I know. I had to go up. I had a show up in Bathurst last night, and I thought going up over the mountains would be escaping the heat. Yeah. And in a sense, it was, but I remember I, was, I arrived, and it was like, you know, in Sydney, it's 39, but it's so good to be here where it's 37. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! The relief. The relief. Let's uh, check you're up with this week's news. Who is playing I Spy when it comes to politics? Well, this is the story of the A-show boss, Mike Burgess, who said that uh, a former politician has, quote, sold out their country, party and former colleagues after being recruited by spies from a foreign regime. But he hasn't identified the politician. Everyone is screaming blue murder. I mean, Joe Hockey says you can't say that there's a spy without, you know, besmirching all of us, really, Mm -hmm. you know. So he's really been called on to to name who the spy is. And um, I got thinking about this. I mean, it seems so far-fetched to me, Richard. The idea, I mean... 
It's pretty hard to believe that there are real proper spies anymore, don't you think? I mean, everyone's got a dash cam or a doorbell camera. The next next door neighbour's kids have got a drone. You know, you put a baby monitor in the bassinet when the kid's are little and it links up to your phone. There are 300,000 CCTVs in New South Wales. Did you know that? 200 schools with surveillance cameras. In the streets of Sydney, there's a camera for every thousand people. And everyone's either being hacked or doxxed or putting everything on Facebook and Instagram anyway. I mean, who's got any secrets left, for God's sake? How is anyone going to be a spy when we're all being spied on and we're all busy spying on other people? I mean, it's crazy. I was thinking, you know, maybe we have to go back to the good old days of Get Smart when Agent 13 hid in a rubbish bin. You remember that? (laughs) Only... Here's the thing, that wouldn't be safe either because some councils have got surveillance cameras on their garbage trucks uh. to check out whether you're doing the recycling. Imagine putting Agent 13 through the waste compactor. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chief. I just wonder whether we're going to see this ASIO boss, Mike Burgess, uh, around budget time uh. saying, <clears throat> you know, um, okay, would you believe it? Kiwi intern with WhatsApp or, you know, okay, how about two Newington old boys with a fax machine? You know, anyone? And, anyone? and a grievance about female students. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's so what about it. the fact he called it the, he says the ASIO has a nickname for this foreign surveillance spying group. They call them the A-Team. I know, and that just made me think of Mr T and George Papad and... The van, yeah, and then and then I started thinking about um, all the other spies, like what you were saying, Wendy, about you know where are the good spies? But Boris and Natasha from Rocky yeah, and Bullwinkle, now they were spies. They were I'd like spies. to be. She was hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about the Spy versus Spy in Mad Magazine? Oh, yeah, oh, great, they were great. They great. Were good, and it reminded me too of um, years ago when I was in the show called Comedy Inc. We did a whole day's worth of filming sketches of, of being spies and meeting each other and giving the codes and all that sort of stuff. And it was so much fun. I went, yeah, that was 2008. Even then it felt dated, you know, like so, this sort. But I can't help but feel. Scott Morrison's left, hasn't he? He's, he's yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think this information's come out now. And because he put himself in every role, I can just imagine him being a spy <laughs> and he has to meet himself on the park bench. <laughs> you know, like the eagle. And puts on different different voices just to pretend like it's a team, you know. Uh, the, the eagle has landed. Uh, yeah, yeah, Joel, that is true. But isn't that, that how is... we tell who it was? We should just think about who we've seen sitting on a park bench saying to passers-by, ah, the ducks fly to winter in Moscow yeah, and right. things like and that. And the exchange of the briefcase, you know, leave the yeah, briefcase yeah. and get up and then yeah. someone sits down and leaves with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no, but, 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 but as I say, <laughs> as I say you, all you do is you whip out your phone as you walk by and go, who's that weirdo? I might put this up on Twitter. You know? <laughs> so they're, they're cover blown immediately. Tommy, a traitor in our midst. That's what we've learned this week. but I'm a little also disappointed that... Uh, a spy club can't come up with a better name than the A-Team. <laughs> uh, that's disappointing. And uh, if this brand new, just discovered A-Team is the A-Team, I'd feel bad if I was the B-Team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the A-team Russians are kicking me. themselves. <laughs> the B-Team's been working for years thinking they were the A-Team. Yeah. They get taken over by these new recruits. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. That's no good. Uh, I don't even know what you give up. That's the weird part to me. Um, 
I, I don't know what the big secrets are. I, mean, I, I oh, know. we've got secrets, Tommy. Oh, I'm sure we you Australians have got secrets. But, you know, like, remember the other crank a couple of weeks? You know, like, there was all that cranky talk about uh, Donald Trump perhaps accidentally giving up uh, the capabilities of a nuclear submarine that was, you know, 40 years from existence. I just don't know that the, the big future secrets are a concern. What about our re- Australian recipe for vanilla slice? The Chinese are desperate for it. <laughs> Once they find no, no, that out. But that, yeah, the CWA team will not let that get out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's, uh, who's given a poke to a pig this oh, week? Oh, poor Peppa Pig. She's come under fire. And I don't mean in a pan. She's... <laughs> There might be children watching, listening, rather. Listening. We've been listening. Block your ears, kids. Yes. Um, she's under attack. There's a parents um, group in America. Uh, they're saying that Peppa Pig encourages bad, rude behaviour mm. amongst children. And uh, apparently um, she's seen bullying her dad, refusing to listen and acting entitled. And I thought, well, she's that's, a, that's Americans to... in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I looked at that. You know, there is a page that I looked at, um, and and it was about parents who hate Bluey. Would you believe? <laughs> I know. Gasp! You know, amongst the things that they complain about, they say um, Bingo and Bluey are naughty and whiny. They talk back to their parents and get away with it. The house is a mess. There's the unreal expectation the parents will have time to play with them. So I thought. <laughs> I thought it was totally realistic as far as I can see. <laughs> Actually, my place. But honestly, I look, I think people have to harden up a bit. I mean, we here grew up with Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. I mean, he's now been cancelled because he promotes yeah. rape culture. Exactly. Then there was the ultraviolence of Tom and Jerry and the, or the Roadrunner. I guess what I'm saying here is that until Pepper drops an anvil or a piano on her parents' head or amputates Susie Sheep's leg with a chainsaw or sets her on fire, I reckon we should just all chill out. Don't yeah, you? What's wrong with Americans, Tommy? They're attacking... I don't understand either. That's exactly how America was brought up. We, we wrote those cartoons. We made those cartoons. Those cartoons were educational. I know full well if I see a grand piano being craned up into an apartment, I don't walk under it. <laughs> If I see a dog who is bigger than me with a bone, I just let him keep it. <laughs> I don't try to take it away. These are teaching moments. These are exactly educational. I know that if there is what appears to be an excellent tunnel going into the side of a mountain, I should check. Yes. <laughs> and, you, and you also know that the only company you need the phone number for is Acme. Acme. Yeah, that's right. I also know that if for some reason I accidentally launch off the side of a cliff, if I don't notice it, all is fine. Yeah. But you've got to keep pedaling. I won't fall you, for ages. There'll just be a puff of smoke puff when you land at the And <laughs> even if you do hit the ground, you'll be back next week. <laughs> you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Educational moments. It is educational. In fact, we're about to get into, uh, you know, if you had all the music we're about to hear, I would not even be aware of it if it wasn't for those cartoons. Opera, you yeah. mean? Yeah. yeah the they taught you all about Seville. classical music. So oh, much classical music and opera wabbit. in the early cartoons. Killed a wabbit. <laughs> Remember the opera that yeah, yeah, yeah. I did with Bugs Bunny? Yeah. I think if you carry on like this, our opera stars are going to leave. <laughs> Let me ask you one last question from this week's news. Which country has swiftly, swiftly descended into the status of a police state? See, this is starting to feel like we're bullying America. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the story uh, some of the people online uh, saw at the Taylor Swift concert. A sign that said, uh, report antisocial behavior and a phone number. And a phone number And now ring. have accused Australia of being a police state. 
and suggesting the problem is uh, you gave away all your guns and now this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> the, and in some the ways, was, in first some ways, they gave up their guns and now they're paying for it. Yeah. And I think in some ways it's hard to argue because America for years has been running an experiment and we have proven conclusively that if you give everyone a gun, nothing bad happens. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> you know my favorite my favorite thing about this is yeah so the big sign there at the football match right at the stadium at, at rep- Swift, yes yeah, yeah, yeah the football and, stadium and the football stadium report anti-social behavior and what happens was it was that a whole lot of sports fans started trolling and ringing up and going uh, there's a bloke uh, with a whistle in the middle of the field who's ru- <laughs> who's ruining it for everyone <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> why do they have them in cinemas and theatres? That's where you really need yeah. them, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the chip He's packets. He's popcorn very yeah, loud. Yeah, that's right. I've, loud. I've, done it. I've done it. They should have them in bars too because I've done it on Tinder dates. I've just rung the number and said, nah, he's got no personality. <laughs> <laughs> very antisocial. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I think you could it'd be really good sometimes, say if you're in the theatre and you want to complain about the movie as well, um, antisocial scenes in movies ring up and say, come on, Jack, you know, the final scene in Titanic, Jack could have easily fit on that door (laughs) and instead she just let him freeze to death in the middle of the Atlantic. I mean, you know, so... Call the number. Yeah. Call the number. Call the number. number. And thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. We have Wendy Harmer, Rebecca Day Unamuno, Tommy Dean. Wendy, you've got a new book out. Tell people about your new book. Oh, it's a it's a memoir. Lies my mirror told me. I've read it. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I've read yours. I mean, this is awful. Richard, <laughs> Richard and I, you know, just no, you're fat. No, you're fat. No, you. You know, <laughs> and we've actually done a couple of gigs together. You know, talking about our books, and we're both going to the Adelaide Festival, yeah, Writers Festival, on the weekend. Yes, I'm surprised either of us got an invitation yeah, to that. No, it's no, quite tiny. The, now, hilar- the hilarious thing is for me is that a good part of my book, of course, is set in Victoria, where I grew up in Victoria. And, of course, I've got invites to writers' festivals all around Australia, except Melbourne, because you know why? Because, because they've if, met you. No, <laughs> if you leave Melbourne and make a success of yourself, they hate you. <laughs> and you're not allowed back. I think that's true. And now Paul McCartney has this week revealed the truth behind one of his most famous lyrics. When in Yesterday he says, I said something wrong, people have always assumed it must be some reference to a romantic affair. Not true. He was remembering, he said this week, with shame, how he once teased his mum for using a posh voice in the backyard. That was the thing when he said something wrong. What's the thing you said or did to your parents that still brings a moment of regret, like the moment of regret Paul McCartney still feels. Re- Rebecca. Well, look, I've actually made a career out of um, <laughs> impersonating my mum's voice and my dad's voice. So if that was it, then uh, guilty, guilty. But I just, I, I, I was really struggling to think, I'm really struggling to think of oh, something. Oh, you a perfect child? Uh, not perfect, no, no. Um, I did say uh, to my mum that if I did have a daughter and she was anything like me, then she'd have to go to boarding school between the ages of 13 and 17 because <laughs> I was horrible. I really was. I was, you know, hormones, you know, the, the whole thing. And I, But when I would say I was horrible, it was I was always pushing for more. I have an older brother, he's two years older, and he was allowed to do things that I didn't understand why I couldn't do those things, even though I was two years younger. What, bank robbing? What sort of thing? <laughs> 
right? That's right, yeah. Bankrobbing, starting gangs, you know, that kind of thing. But I would always push it. So when mum would say, yes, you can. And I see, mum's always said to us, whatever you do, don't lie to me. That was always the big mm-hmm. thing she said. I, I don't mind what you, but please don't lie to me. And the guilt that comes with that when you try and lie. like, And I like to think of myself as being a pretty good actor. Mm. But when there's something about mum eyes, you know, when mum eyes are looking at you and, and you look at, into mum eyes, they just know. They just know you're lying. And I did They should get, get your mum to, to hunt down that politician spy. <laughs> they should. They should. She's got a briefcase. Um, so, but it's... And so I was trying to think, but I would always tell mum the truth and she'd say, yes, okay, you can go out to this place that I, you know, I prefer you not to go, but you can go out, but you have to be home by 11. And I'd always go, 11.30. (laughs) She'd say, all right, you can go, but you have to be home by 11.30. I'd always go midnight. Like I was always, I was always pushing and we got into a real fight about it. She wouldn't let me go out to some place my friends wanted to go when I was in about year 11 and she wouldn't let me go. And I got really angry with her and I couldn't believe it. And I yelled at her and I was calling her names and she called me some back, good on her. Um, and then it was just awful. I felt so guilty and I went to school and I came back and on my bed was this card. It was just a card in an envelope and I opened it up and it was on the front of the card, I've never forgotten this, on the front of the card was a rabbit who was down in the rabbit warren in the bottom like hunched over and looking really, you know, sort of harumphy. And then the rabbit up the top of the warren was lowering on a fishing line a note down to the rabbit and on the note it said XOXO, so hugs and kisses. And I opened up the card and she said in it, she said, even though sometimes I may not like you, please know that I will always love you. That's so nice. Isn't that beautiful? And I thought of that today and I think I've got the card somewhere. Um, But she does and um, my mum listens to this. You better have the card somewhere or you're a monster. Or I'm a monster. But um, I, I know my mum does listen to TGIF. She's a big fan of TGIF, and so I'm not going to say anything else, Richard, for fear of implicating myself. <laughs> no, no, I just, uh, I just love in... the fact that Mike Burgess is probably listening to this. He's going to ring up that uh, politician, the traitor, and say, I'm sorry, mate, you're going to be interrogated by Rebecca's mother. Yeah, and he'll go, right. no, no, I'll tell you everything. Sue's going to get you. She's going to go, oh, okay, are you the 18? That, that'll be Sue. See, there I go again. <laughs> One of my favourite cards I ever got from my son Marley, you know, was he brought home from school, and it said, dear mum, um, I love you. You are my role model and primary caregiver. <laughs> I, I, I think they've been coached by the teacher. <laughs> Fantastic. Very funny. Oh, look, I think... Compared... I mean, you've written a whole book about you and your parents, yeah, so, you I know. know. I know. But you always win who's got the weirdest parents competition, hands down, Richard. Absolutely hands down. Apart from Greg Fleet, the comedian whose father faked his own death. I mean, you know. And then turned up working in a real estate agent in Auckland three years later. I thought that was pretty mm. good. But, oh, look, I think that we're all in the clear here about being having done bad things compared to the Kardashians and Prince Harry. I think we're all in the clear. But I did do a terrible thing once. I, when I was about 10, um, I was skipping along the street outside our house and I found a five-pound note, right, five-pound note. And I, I, it was, it, those days, 1965, it was the equivalent of I worked it at $160 now. I mean, the rent on our house was only three quid, right. So anyway, so dad, my dad said to me, did you find a five-pound note? When I said, no, I didn't find a five-pound note. <laughs> 
So then I went into mastermind, you know, mode. I mean, how am I going to conceal this this money that I've got? So I got this definitely dates me. I got one of those tin biscuit tins, you know, and I went up to the shop. And over a series of, of about, uh, you know, a few weeks, I just I bought a whole stack of lollies, choo-choo bars, redskins, fantails, Fredo frogs, whiz, fizz, spearmint leaves, and I buried this tin and I would go back, you know, like on, on a daily basis and I would get lollies. But five quid's worth of redskins would have been the size of a mountain. I know, but I eked it out, you know, for, for you know, like, and I gave, I was shared it around. <laughs> anyway, what happened one day I went back and um, I, I, I could not remember where I buried it. Um, it was see we 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 backed onto an old mullet keep in Bendigo and so somewhere in that mullet keep the gold mine was my stash of lollies and I never ever found it again. This is this is a modern day Lassiter's reef. I know. I I'm know. going to search for and it. And I dug, I must have dug almost through to China looking for that tin. Lollies, but then there you go. But I, I did feel bad about lying to Dad about it. Tommy, if you're going to sing yesterday and all these things, all these wrong things you did, and full of regret like Ross, Paul McCartney. That one moment, you know, is that one moment? I think you know, you spent a lot of time looking up to your parents and learning from your parents, and 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 they taking care of you, and then and then you just in a moment of as, just, as your primary carer, yeah, yeah, primary <laughs> totally caregiver, yeah. And just in a rash moment of not realizing the context of what is being presented, and the two specifically, one for each of them. Uh, I will never forget um, when I was nine. Uh, my dad came into my room and said, "Hey, uh, we're going deer hunting. Do you want to come?" And I said, "No." Oh. And the life drained out of his eyes. Yeah. yeah, I knew he had no love for me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was over. <laughs> and then, There's no son of mine. Yeah. And then the worst yeah. one, my mum, uh, my mum made meatloaf one night for dinner, um, and she said, "What do you think?" And without thinking, I said, "It's not as good as Aunt May's." Wow. <laughs> and I have never recovered from that one. <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> Are you ready for the Wheel of Death, ladies and gentlemen? Rebecca is going to take it on this week, and our lovely audience here have thrown these random titles onto this chocolate wheel. Today's titles are Dancing, Bubbles, Survivor, uh, Planter Pot, is that right? Uh, Cloche, A Click, Tomorrow, Swans, Sleep, Matilda's, Sausage, Flamingo, Mardi Gras, Lizard, and we're back to dancing. Which ones fill you full of fear, Rebecca? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, no, I just have a general fear of what I'm doing tomorrow, that's all. <laughs> well, it could be a twin with uh, yesterday, couldn't it, from Paul? Here we go, round and round and round it goes, where it stops, nobody knows. Today's topic is dancing. Oh, Dancing, who did goodness. dancing? Very good, dancing. Let's see how we go with dancing. Hi. <laughs> Hi, my, my name is Claire and I am six. Today at school, our teacher asked us what we want to be when we grow up. (laughs) I had many ideas swarming through my head. I thought of writer because, as you can see, I have lots of words. But then I thought about it. And you know that thing when music comes on and you hear it and you just can't help but dance like kids do, running around in circles? I started doing that. But the thing is, my teacher said to me that I have rhythm. That's another big word. Anyway, um, I started to 
pretend that I was a dancer and I make my parents come and watch me give concerts every weekend. I charge them $5 (laughs) because I'm going to buy lots of lollies and stash them in a... And stash them in a tin where no one can find them. But it's okay because if my mum finds out, she'll give me a card with rabbits on the front. (laughs) Anyway, I've thought about all the different styles of dancing. There are so many shows that you can watch to get inspiration. Dancing with the Star... Oh, maybe not that one. Um, Strictly Ballroom's a good movie. And my dad every now and then chants, new steps, new steps, just to make me feel like Barry Otto's in the room. I'm not very good at ballet. I don't like pointing my toes because later in life I don't wish to develop very large calf muscles. <laughs> I've heard that happens. Anyway, and you have to like dance at a bar and I'm not 18 yet. <laughs> so I've decided that I'm going to be a flamenco dancer. Yeah, I like the way that you can stomp your feet and make lots of noise and have those clacky clacky things on your hands. I think it's an angry dance and little do my parents know that seething deep within me as a six-year-old is a desire to kill. (laughs) Uh, I shouldn't have said that. My mum listens to this program. Anyway, I think flamenco is is kind of, you know, it's full of soul. And if you've got some frustrations, you can let them out just by stomping. Although I do suggest wearing inner soles because you will damage your Achilles. (laughs) My dad has a guitar. I've told him he can accompany me if he wants, yet he doesn't know any Spanish music. So I've made him listen to some. But he's really preferring just to listen to Andre Bricelli and, like, heaps of opera like a flute that's magic. (laughs) Anyway, I've sealed it up. I've put it in an envelope and apparently when we graduate, we're going to get it and we're going to see if that's still our life's trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) Does she die? Does she die? No! (laughs) She lives. I thank God it's Friday. That had a very half of it came true. (laughs) There was a very superior ballet joke in there. The bar joke. The bar, yeah. The B A R R E joke. Yes, yes, yes. Lordy, lordy. I know. I'm. I'm This show is not usually that classy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to meet that child. She was awful. If I had a choo choo bar, I would give it to you right now. Thank you, Wendy. I've got a. Wendy's going to go and dig up that can somehow. Um, now, Gary Pilnick, uh, the multimillionaire chief executive of the US food giant Kellogg, has drawn scorn after suggesting that families with strained finances could cope with the cost of living crisis by eating cereal for dinner. Mm. That's been his Thanks suggestion. For that, Gary. Thanks for that, Gary. Uh, what other world problems could Kellogg's products solve while just coincidentally boosting his sales? Wendy. Well, maybe after eating the cereal, you could construct your own Sydney apartment out of the cardboard boxes. <laughs> Because that's about the quality of some of the developments we're seeing at the moment, am I right? Yeah. Actually, if you use the hardened wheat bix, it might be better than the building yeah, materials that's they're right. using. And yeah, you get your very own sinkhole in, in, as well. <laughs> How about using rice bubbles for carbon capture and storage? It couldn't be any more useless than the technology some of the big polluters are using now. But 
On that note as well, maybe we don't need enriched uranium for small nuclear power reactors. Has anyone had a look at Allbran? <laughs> <laughs> that explosive uh, device yeah, <laughs> material. Yeah, Rebecca, how, how he wants all this, he makes, you know, increased yeah. sales. Yeah, well, cornflakes, I figured, could be used as an excuse for forgetting an appointment, being late or breaking up over text. Um, flake, get it? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, there's, there's levels to this as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just right could help you find the perfect partner. That, I think that could be great. Um, sustain. Or, or if you're interested in Tinder, what about Fruit Loops? Fruit Loops. <laughs> That might might be a more achievable goal. (laughs) Trust me, I've met them. Um, I thought sustain, that could help you hold those really long notes that Jessapina held earlier. That's uh, that's a good one. Pop tarts, make you become a Swifty. (laughs) Oh, I know. Oh, 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 everyone, oh, get over it. She's just a girl. Anyway... And, uh, and as Wendy explained, we all know what uh, problem all ran can solve. Yes. Uh, but I thought, no, if there are any struggling artists out there um, who can't afford art supplies in this um, crisis uh, of economy, um, any of those products can be used to create artworks because I did it in year three and uh, my macaroni gold nugget was pretty impressive, I have to admit. So you could use your Cocoa Pops and your rice bubbles and I think there should be a portrait uh, portraiture prize, forget the Archibald, just use cereal and uh, get that. I just want to see people make portraits of people yeah. out of cereal well, products. Well, you're right because we, you know, we, we there aren't burnt matches anymore. People no, are giving up smoking. That's so, right. you know, I think matchstick tray. Is, that's right. Yeah. Just a little corn. Couldn't you just throw them at people and call yourself a serial killer? Uh, <laughs> that's very good, Richard. Well done. <laughs> Tommy Dean, uh, he wants a, this poor man, he's a, he's a multi-millionaire, but he wants to be, he wants to be a bit richer. Come well, on. I just think that what he really wants to do is celebrate how um, useful cereal is. Uh, that's really what he's getting at. Mm. I mean, it's not just for breakfast. That's his first point. Uh, you can eat it all through the day. Um, I don't know why he made a point of saying you should just have it for dinner. Uh, you should have it for lunch, snack, small lunch. Uh, at any point you want to consume something, it should be cereal. Uh, it is easy. It is transportable. Uh, it goes with milk or it does not go with milk. Uh, and forget it. If you're not even in a mood to eat, uh, maybe you have problems with home security. Uh, spread it out in front of your door. Uh, maybe you have trouble with, uh, you know, like leaks in the bathroom. Use the Rice Krispies. Put them around the suspect areas and listen for the snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> uh, it is so useful. Uh, uh, packing peanuts, uh, terrible. Terrible. The foam, extruded foam that we use to keep packages safe? Mm-hmm. Cornflakes. Yeah. yeah. Put the cereal in there, and then when it arrives, not only does somebody get a nice package, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much it can be done with. Uh, you know, if you have trouble sitting up at the table, just get a couple of extra boxes, prop yourself up. That's easy to do. I can't, uh, you know, another problem, uh, and this comes in COVID, I thought about it, uh, there's a great roughage uh, to a handful of any one of these cereals, really. They all work. If uh, toilet paper is an issue in your home, (laughs) just one handful of cereal run through the channel, clear. (laughs) Clear. (laughs) Too much? (laughs) Too much? Yes. Oh, thank God. It's a pure circle because you ate all the cornflakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then you had to get rid of it, and then you cleaned it with the cornflakes. It is a pure circle. It is what Kellogg's wanted it to be from the beginning. Cereal is all about mental health and bowel concerns. 
I know lots of families where they ate the wheat bix, but the really treasured part of the wheat bix. You know that stuff that forms at the bottom of the wheat bix packet. That's the cream. They called it the cream, and they'll be whoever, whichever child had done the best in the, in the school for that week would be given the cream. The little munched up bits of wheat bix at the bottom. That was the thing to have. Wow. Psychological abuse. Yeah, right? I think so. <laughs> Possibly. That is absolutely incorrect. Stuff down the bottom, you give to the chooks. <laughs> <laughs> now, inspired uh, inspired by the popularity of flavoured hot cross buns, mm. the Brown Brothers Winery from Victoria has introduced a special edition hot cross bun wine, combining the company's fruity red wine with added cinnamon and melted brown sugar. What are they saying here? This is a perfect wine to serve at a Last Supper. Goes <laughs> goes well with crucifixions. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But wine is, here's their point, wine is popular, hot cross buns are popular, so why not combine them? What, what other popular products should be combined in order to achieve big sales? Wendy Hummer. Well, I mean, I guess if, you know, um, if you're a busy family, breakfast on the go, um, Vegemite-flavoured cereal. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There, there. What That's about a good idea. Avo-infused toast? That's, you just cut out the middleman there. Um, at dinner for the shift worker... Lamb roasted wheat bix <laughs> or spag bowl flavoured ramen noodles. That's for students. That would be quite good. Actually, um, my husband's in Japan at the moment and he said the big discovery there is he and, and my son are eating all the time is a naan hot dog. Yep. He said it is absolutely delicious. So you've got your naan bread and you've got a hot dog and you've got cheese. And he said it is the absolute ultimate multicultural feast. <laughs> and it is a hit in Japan. So, I'm, you know, I think... What, I'm, it clog- clogs all your arteries, yeah. basically. <laughs> a naan dog vending machine. I think that's what we're looking at there. Now, what, what other products should be combined, Rebecca? I think um, kebab-flavoured tequila. <laughs> Because it's inevitable that one will lead to the other. <laughs> so you might as well have that. Um, I, also, I also would like um, cheese and bacon balls and Gatorade um, vodka. Um, oh, I'm letting you into an insight into my life, aren't I? Um, but I tried, actually, when you were saying the naan thing, Wendy, I tried the other day that there's mm. now cheese bread flavoured crisps. Cheese bread flavour. Cheese bread flavour. You know when you used to go to Sizzler, you know, and they had the cheese bread and it was that beautiful warm like cheese toast and it had the crunchy melted cheese on it. It was like parmesan. Oh, my goodness. That was a diabolical thing that they put at the beginning of the Sizzler so it was so delicious. You'd eat 10 tonnes of that and wouldn't have room for any of the more expensive ingredients. Well, that's all you're saying. So you didn't have to eat everything that people had stuck their fingers in, (laughs) getting the bacon bits out. Yeah, so I had um, had those the other day, and I have to say, I'm very sceptical about all these new flavoured chips, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and Vegemite flavoured Kit Kats they have now. Yeah. Like, oh. what is that? Oh. I know, I know. But see, I was sceptical. I bought them. Heaven. <laughs> I have to say, cheese bread flavoured chips, get onto it. They're Sorry, wait, heaven, heaven is cheese bread crisps. Yeah. And how did you feel about Vegemite Kit Kat? Haven't had it. <laughs> all right. So it's clearly hell. <laughs> no, no, because salty and chocolate, like, like Vegemite at its heart is salt and, and bitter, and, and chocolate at its heart is sweet and bitter. Mm. I, I, I think they're made for each other. Yeah. That could, I, I'm starting to think that maybe salt. what we need to do is reinforce the Kit Kat with a slightly stronger biscuit, and then we can just dip the <laughs> Vegemite out of the jar. <laughs> oh. That would be... Yeah. Did you ever have a candy here? I can't remember what it's called. It's called Fun Stick. 
And Fun Stick was like a candy powder and a vanilla flavored hard stick. And you'd make the stick wet and pick up the sugar powder on the end of the stick and transfer it to your mouth. That's what I'm envisioning with Kit Kats and Vegemite. (laughs) Are you just trying to prove you've become Australian? I love it. I have to travel with it or it's something, it centers you. Vegemite. Vegemite. Without it, I... In fact, I'm running, I don't want to name them, but there is a delightful bakery that I buy things from. Hmm. Uh, they have a Vegemite scroll. And it's, it's very hard to make because I buy it every morning as I go to my little office job. And it, it, the variance is incredible. Is that right? Sometimes too much Vegemite, sometimes too much cheese, sometimes not enough, sometimes overcooked, sometimes just right. It's crazy. And but the seems, amounts are very delicate, aren't they? I mean, very it's a delicate. very fine thing. It's a very fine line. You I, know, when my mum first got married, the only thing that she could cook, she says, was Vegemite soup. Mm. Now it's a Vegemite with hot water. Do you remember? Did you have Vegemite soup when you were kids? Yeah, yeah, see, yeah you did. Yeah, that's yeah, the only thing you. Cooked. It was a health broth. Yes. Of the time. Yep. Mm. So <laughs> you know, it's a very, it's a very versatile spread. <laughs> Who were the winners and losers of this week, Rebecca? Oh, look, my winners this week are all the medical students um, who are at a medical school in the Bronx because a widow, a widow, Dr. Ruth Gottesman, she's a former lecturer at this medical school and her husband passed away. She's 93 and her husband passed away and left a billion dollars to her. And so she has donated the $1 billion back to the medical school. So all of the students are going to be debt-free for the rest of their lives. And this is the poorest school. area in you New know, York. You know, yeah. there's, you know there's a big furor about that, though. Is there? Why? Yeah, well, the people who are saying, who've already been to the medical school and paid their fees are going, well, what am I, chop, <laughs> what am I, chop liver? But the other thing is, too, people are saying she's given her money. Her, you know, she's used her billion dollars, and that's it's very interesting the role of film, you know, philanthropy and billionaires and all that kind of thing. We won't go there. But they're saying that she's given it to a very wealthy college when she could have given it to underprivileged people. Oh, There's what that as meanness. well. There's that she's as well. Generous. No, she's kept it for herself. But if the college is wealthy, it doesn't mean the students attending are. Hmm. That's my point. But it's always going to be the problem. Like, you know, she could have bought everybody a non hot dog. Yes, she could. <laughs> or just a jar of Why did she do that? Yeah. So we can all try it and find out if it's as good as it sounds. Because it sounds great. It does sound great, doesn't it? Who's the loser? Oh, and the loser of the week. Oh, look, I'm, again, I struggle. But um, I think uh, the losers of the week, there's so many things I want to say, but I won't. Um, I'd say it's me again. Oh. Yeah, no, third week in a row. Rubbish bin still not collected. Oh. I tell you, and I had to pay my rates today. You know what? Steam came out of my ears because I don't have air conditioning. <laughs> Wendy, you, Wendy, who were the winners? Have you rung the council yet? Uh, every you, week. Every you, week. So you are now of the age where you're ringing the council. I'm ringing them because, <laughs> and because Congratulations. New, I have a new neighbour. I haven't had a neighbour for seven years and I have a neighbour now and she doesn't put the rubbish into a bag to put in the bin. I know. But, and it stinks after three huh? weeks. Oh, it's like I, a, I, I love when you say, ringing the council is the life stage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Did <laughs> you actually like open that envelope and, you know, that you went with you and you opened it up and it said, annoyed of yeah, Newtown. That's right. It was a complainer. <laughs> quickly, yeah. winners and losers. Wendy, just quickly. Oh, look, it's hard to tell. We're all spying on each other. Who would know? <laughs> there could be some people winning and there could be something losing. But let's just face it, you know, everyone's a spy. I mean, you're a spy. You're a spy. 
I'm a spy. We're all, you know, spies, so I'm not um, nominating anybody. Tommy, I think quickly. the loser is uh, the person who has to answer is Rebecca's calls at the council. <laughs> <laughs> That is a very difficult position to be in. A very difficult position to be in. And the winner, of course, is producers of Naan and Hot Dog. (laughs) (laughs) Their time has come. Yeah. And cheesy. And uh, cheesy bitches. Yeah. I hope hope this is reproduced, that snack is reproduced when they get home. so good. Is anyone hungry? Yeah. Just Just buy some and hide them in a tin and plant them in a mullet heap. I would really like a whiz fizz right about now. Please thank Wendy Harmer, Rebecca Day Unamuno and Tommy Dean. Thank you for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Next week, Jennifer Wong, Gary Eck and Tommy Dean. Music from the Mexican mariachi maestro, Victor Valdez. Until then, I'm Richard Goller. And thank God it's...